Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to my podcast today. As you can see, we're doing something a little bit different today. I thought I'd come outside and just kind of tell you what we're doing. We're taking a two-week break from our series on Psalms uh, 23, and we're joining a a friend of mine, Heather Zimple. You'll hear me introduce her in just a minute in a two-episode discussion on how we win people to Jesus in this season that we're in. So she's a great communicator, great speaker, great leader. I know that you're going to enjoy our conversation, so let's jump in. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm so thankful that you're taking the time to check this out. Today is a special episode. I'm being joined by my friend uh, and, and colleague, Pastor Heather Zimple. She is, I believe uh, your title is Pastor of Discipleship, right? That sounds good. We'll Pastor go with that. Pastor of Discipleship yeah. <laughs> um, at National Community Church. Some of you may know that because of uh, Pastor Mark Batterson, uh, but she is a brilliant thinker, a brilliant pastor, and someone that's just on the leading edge of what it means to disciple people in this day and age. And so I want to give a special welcome to you. Hey, Heather, how you doing? I'm doing great. Andy, thanks so much for having me on. It's always good to see you, hang out with you, and uh, looking forward to hanging out with a few of our closest friends today, right? Yeah, yeah. So some of you may not know... Um, about this about me or about Heather, but we're both from the great state of Alabama. So we have that in common. Um, I remember the first time I met you thinking there's something about you that I just like. And I, and it took me about two hours to go Alabama. Like, like it, it's, it wasn't it's the accent. It wasn't like obvious in the accent in that moment. You've been in DC long enough that I don't, yeah. I don't feel like when I hear you talk, I don't go Alabama, especially because you're from like South Alabama, right? You're from like the yeah, Mobile area. Mobile. Yeah, Mobile. I mean, that's real Southern sounding. So like the fact that you don't sound like that is impressive. Um, do you still get asked? I'm curious because I don't talk to people from Alabama that have moved up North do, uh, very often. Do you get asked all the time where you're from still? Is that still actually, a- no, no. People are actually surprised to find out I'm from Alabama. I, I think the accent comes out most strongly when I get really excited about something or really angry. So <laughs> that's fair. We'll see if it comes out today, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, that's, that's good. No, I, I'm so ready for my accent to drop enough to where you like, and people think they're slick about it. They think they're, they think they're doing it like nonchalantly, like they'll wait. And they're like, so where are you from? Because and what I know they're thinking in their mind, because you sound like Gomer Pyle. Like I know that that's what's coming out. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that question more than, uh, than in like the first 90 days we moved here. And people tell me in the South, I don't sound Southern, um, for the South, Yeah, but it is clearly not that way up here. Right. Right. Well, you've done a phenomenal job of holding on to your heritage. So congratulations. (laughs) I, I tell people all the time, I have a master's degree, but from Alabama, so still don't ask me to spell anything. Uh, so that's, uh, that's always, that's always fun. But, uh, anyway, well today, um, I want to have you, uh, just talk a little bit. I, I saw a clip from you speaking, uh, you're on the teaching team at national community church. If you've never heard Heather speak, by the way, for those of you who are watching, um, I'm not saying this because she's on the podcast. I'm saying this because I genuinely believe this. I think that, um, Heather has just a unique gift 
to the body of Christ. And, and every time she speaks, it's not just good content. It's um, relevatory content. It's content that I think is life-changing and thought-provoking. And so if you've never heard Heather speak, I would tell you to go jump on their website and just hear Heather uh, communicate. She, she's a gift to the body of Christ. And, and one of those gifts that you don't like really know until you either meet her or see her in another setting, you, you, don't, you don't necessarily hear your name a ton, but every time you speak, it's clearly a gift to that church and to the body of Christ as a whole. Um, Thank you, Andy. That's very kind. Uh, no, I, I mean that from the, from the bottom of my heart. I really do. I try to catch you every time I see that you, you've spoken. Um, but this really, this discussion uh, kind of started when I heard you speak a few months ago in just talking about what it looks like to reach people in the culture that we're in. We've had a year of um, chaos. We've had a year of turmoil. And we've also had a year of isolation. And all of those things shift people. They, they shift uh, how we feel. They shift how we respond to each other. They shift how we operate as, as individuals and as communities. Um, and I would just love to hear, like, from your vantage point and your perspective, wh- what does that look like in the context of reaching people and, and sharing the gospel with people and being that light that Scripture calls us to be? Yeah, I- Andy, it's such a good question. I, you know, there are a lot of people right now um, that are commenting on very, very smart people commenting on the changes we've experienced, predicting the changes that are still in store. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, it's been a year of pivoting, of experimenting, and I, I in no way claim to have any knowledge of. Um, you know, what has changed for the moment and what has changed for good and what we should do as, you know, followers of Jesus in this unique cultural context. I, th- I think there are two things that I keep kind of circling back to uh, when it comes to just the, 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 the faithful presence, the faithful witness of the church within culture. And, and one is we have got to have a robust theology of place And we've got to have a robust theology of presence. Mm. If we go right back, as the world kind of, look, I got vaccinated a couple weeks ago. I am feeling ready. Like, there's something magical that happened in my brain. I'm like, all right, it's time to get back. Um, And and the world is is going back much more slowly, you know, at least where we are. And and I'm in in one of the most restrictive, uh, you know, places in the country, at least related to the pandemic. But um is we move back to whatever the new normal is. If we go right back to doing church and doing life, um, well, let me say this. If we go back to doing church the same old way we always did church, we're missing something because I don't believe people will go back to doing life the very same way they did it. And so just a, a couple of things, and then we can, you know, kind of feel how we want to go from here. But when we look at the Old Testament, God, God partnered with a group of people and he put them in a very specific place. He gave them this little piece of real estate that in the ancient world was the crossroads of the ancient world. And he put his people in this messy middle between empires, between cultures to be a faithful witness to his presence. And then that's the second thing, to be the partners of, to be the presence of, to be the reflection 
of God to the world. And I think we're so quick to run back to the logistics. What are, where are we meeting? How are we meeting? What are we going to do when we meet? What is programming going to look like? And I would love for us to just have some conversations about place and presence. Where, where, are, where are the sanctuaries of modern culture where people can come, where they know that they're going to encounter, um, they're going to encounter truth, they're going to encounter life, they're going to encounter light, they're going to encounter something that is, un, that is transcendent, right? That, that's something different than what they're experiencing in the day-to-day and then the presence. Where are they going to be able to encounter something that is, um, that is intimate, that is imminent, that is here, um, so those are a couple of things that, I, again, I have a lot more questions than answers. And right. I'm just asking, how can we bring the presence of God? How can we be a place where people can encounter God uh, in our culture today? No, that's that's really good. How, so when you're processing like place and presence, what are you thinking in terms of, hey, this is what we experienced because of a pandemic, the yeah. isolation, the the, the chaos, uh, and just the the um, all of the issues that we've dealt with, racial issues, all those things. How are you seeing that um, shift? Not just spiritually, uh, but practically that that place. Yeah. What are you seeing? Yeah. What are you seeing shift in that place the, well, the most? Yeah, in in our place for the past year has been online. I mean, that's that that's been our place for most of us. The place where we have gathered, the place where we have connected has been in an online uh, you know, platform. And I'm very careful to say online and not virtual because I believe it is real connection. I don't think it's virtual. I don't think that there's anything fake about it. In fact, I think there are things that we can do online that we cannot do in person. And, and some examples of, you know, in my own community, my own experience, I mean, um, I, I led a small group. It's a small group I've led for years. And, uh, and I led it during pandemic back in January. And we had people join that group from all across the country. Wow. Parents of people that had been in that group with me in person, like their parents were a part of it. Uh, NCCers that had moved uh, across the country joined it. It was, it was beautiful. It was awesome. We had so much fun being in that group together online that I think the new place for that experience will remain online even post-pandemic. The pandemic has allowed us, we started a a morning prayer gathering uh, every morning uh, at 7.14 a.m. online. We called it the Upper Zoom and uh, because we like goofy names around NCC. Um, I love that. We had at one point we had four hundred people logging on at seven fourteen a.m. to pray. Now, wow. listen. If any other point in our history as a church, we had had four hundred or three hundred or even one hundred people showing up consistently to a prayer meeting in the morning, we would have said revival has broken out. That's a place that is like, because of the convenience, we've been able to convene in a place online, people like never before. Uh, One of the things I've loved the most because of the online place, when I have preached this past year, 
I've been able to be in our online service giving color commentary on the message and answering questions that people have while I'm preaching. I have loved that. That's something it it turned preaching from a monologue to a dialogue from a, you know, a, 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 a dump of information to a conversation. That's something we can do online in that place that we can't do in the physical space. Now, then there are also things we can do in a physical space, in a physical gathering, in proximity that we can't do online. One of the things that I think I have mourned the most are the water cooler conversations. Because I believe the water cooler conversations are what help us to navigate some of these tricky cultural issues that we're facing. Um, Unbox what you mean by, for those who've who've not necessarily worked in an office or... I mean, we all understand what a water cooler is, yeah. but yep. but maybe not necessarily the, the power of what the phrase water cooler conversation yeah. means. Absolutely. So um, one, of the, one of the things that uh, has happened, and, and I'll, I'll kind of zoom up and then come, come back in on this one. One of the things that um, our current technology has given to us, uh, the internet, like we have the world in our pocket we're walking around with more information and greater um, opportunity for connection than has ever been in the imaginations of people that have preceded us. In, in, any, in a second, I can find out the opinion of someone who is very, very different than me across on the other side of the world with a very different cultural background, language background, family of origin, I have the opportunity to access more worldviews and opinions and ideas than ever before. And yet, what the algorithm, because as people, we can't consume all that, our phones also do us a favor. They curate the information for us based on what they know, what, what they, meaning the algorithms, know about our preferences, our family of origin, our culture, and they curate for us the content that they think we want and will resonate with us. And so what that means is that even though we have more access now to more information, more opinions, more perspectives than ever before, we're finding that our worlds have actually gotten smaller and smaller because we're shoved into these echo chambers. Mm. What the water cooler conversation does, and by that I mean the random organic everyday conversation you have when you bump into your neighbor, when you, when you're having a random conversation with a coworker, when you're seeing someone at the neighborhood market, you're having that conversation in the checkout line. Um, those have not been happening. And what's, and, and, and we're, we're missing out on the, what did you think about? How did you perceive? What was your reaction to help me understand your perspective. And, um, and, and this is just a very, let me give you a very just kind of raw example. Um, I saw, you know, like I, I had a friend, very good friend. Um, they, they're on staff with me, post something on Instagram that I found to be actually kind of polarizing. And it's one of those situations that if we were going to be in the office the next day, I would have just popped in and said, Hey, help me understand that post and what you were thinking with that post. And, and let's talk about it. 
but in the world we've been in, it was hard. That conversation wasn't possible. I would have had to have called up or sent an email and it would have just become like a thing, right? It would have become a bit, it would have become an issue. It would have become, we need to talk about. And I think those organic community interactions have been stripped over the past year and we need to pay specific attention to that. And as a church, as a people of God, cultivate ways to reignite those. And, and I think that one of the, our youth have actually led the way in our church on this. They have four, what they call four principles of peacemaking. And it's listen well. We're not very good as a people at listening well. Ask anything. Look, any question is valid. Any question is, is permissible to be on the table. Disagree freely. We need to be able to create communities that can have differing opinions and still find unity in Jesus and then love regardless. So that, that's what I mean by the water cooler conversation. Sorry, that was a long, that was kind of a long. Uh, no, no, that's, that's really good. That. That's really good. It's interesting. I, my dad is um, in a multi uh cubicle office right now and they're like doing social distancing things and stuff but but he's got a person that's in his office that is in a sect of christianity that if you're if you're a protestant christian you're definitely kind of influenced to think this sect of christianity would be a more of a cult type uh sect of of christianity it's more it's considered more extreme and um and he just began to have some conversations with him over the the last um year or so about his faith. And what's interesting about it is while I don't think my dad's like looking to transition to that type of faith, I think it really opened his his mind up to yeah, there's some definite things that we disagree on. Um but man, we have a lot more in common than, than we may have realized. And even some of the things that they don't have in common spiritually, they still have in common um, philosophically and socially that, that I don't think my dad would have ever thought that. I mean, I would never have thought that about this particular sect of Christianity. And so it was very interesting to see that connection be made uh, for, for my dad, but you're right. It wouldn't have happened over email because uh, right. you can't just like email somebody and say, "Hey, so what's up with your religion?" You know? Right, right. But for some reason, we can do that sitting in an office right. over a cup of coffee. A hundred percent. I think 100%. you said it earlier. You said um, proximity earlier. Yep. And I, and I love the ability. Um, you know, we live literally on the opposite ends of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, geographically. I love the fact that we can still develop a relationship via Zoom and still stay connected. I love that. But there is something about proximity in the room. Absolutely. Being able to sit down and have a conversation with people in in real time. Because what you just described, um, in the role that I'm in, I'm an executive pastor at a church where I help oversee staff. I can tell you, I've heard probably eight or 10 other people in my role at churches my size, a little bit bigger, that have described exactly what you just described. Yeah. That they saw something and they knew, hey, if this was pre-pandemic and we were all together all the time, no big deal. 
but if I deal with it now, yeah, it's going to be a different thing. Why? Because of the power of proximity. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I, a couple of things that sparked in my mind as you were talking, I think one of the, one of the gifts we could bring the world is a rediscovery, a re-emphasis on the Imago day, the image of God that is in people that we come into contact with and calling that out and treating people like they are in the image of God and proximity does that. And then the other thing that proximity does, and, and this is one of the things, again, that I think we have to think about, what can we do in person that we cannot do online? Andy, as much as, you know, I, I mean, you are, I feel like you're family. If you're from Alabama, like we're just all family. Well, I mean, actually, that's that's one of those things I should probably have you cut out of the podcast because, you know, it's just, never mind. Well, if, all we're, right. all, if we're both from Alabama, there's probably a 50-50 chance I that we are family. You, if my dad was in this conversation, give him 30 minutes, he'd figure out where we're connected back in the line. But um, as much as I love you and I love your family, you know, if tragedy strikes and you need a ride to the hospital, you need somebody to come grab your kids for an afternoon. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. And, and that's where the, the people of God have got to also, um, again, as, as much as I love online and there are things we can do online we can't do in person. We need to pay attention to that. There are also things we can do in person that we can't do on, online. And we need to pay as much attention to that as we continue to kind of go back into normal. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. I think for a lot of people, um, that they're trying to figure out which one is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a and for for those of you who are listening to this that are not um, pastors, this may be getting a little into the weeds of stuff you don't care about. But there's a whole conversation right now about physical church, digital church, or fidgetal church, which yeah. is physical and digital. Um, I've got a friend right now that's planting a physical church in Tennessee, uh, while I have another friend that's in Atlanta, Georgia, who's launching a completely digital church. Um, I say completely digital. They're doing some things, almost everything online, but they're still meeting like once every month or once every other month in person. But But the logic is they don't just want people from the Atlanta area. They want to be able to affect the nation. Yeah. There's a a pastor in the fellowship that I'm credentialed through that's a state above me in Washington, and she uh, launched a church that is completely digital. It is a Facebook group-centered church, and she has a few thousand people that meet with her every Sunday, and they do different daily things, and, and there's a lot of good that comes out of that. I think the the conversation long term though is exactly what you said. What can we leverage digitally that we can't leverage in person? Well, you can leverage yeah. different perspective. You can leverage uh, reaching people that you couldn't by proximity reach. We have people that join our church from California, from Washington. People who used to live here that live now in the Midwest are still joining us online on a regular basis. We're like, we're seeing them stay connected and even doing groups with us. Um, that's, that's a benefit of digital, but Mm -hmm. there, but there is, um, some aspects of ministry and discipleship that you miss with a webcam. Yeah. 
Um, There are some things about doing church physical that are amazing. And especially coming from uh, a Pentecostal church heritage that I grew up in, there's, uh, we used to say there's something about being in the room. Yeah. You know, there's something, there's something about experiencing the presence of God in that, that space. And, and for those of you who freak out when I say Pentecostal, I don't mean like running around the rooms and flags. I just mean the incarnate presence of God it yeah. like in, in the space, like when you're standing in a room and you can feel God's presence and it's as if he is standing right there with you in the flesh. Like th- there's something significant about that, that, that I don't deny people can't or can experience God's presence, but there's something sure. about being in community and Absolutely. experiencing God's presence. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I, I don't think, so I say all that to say, I don't think that there's a, um, problem with saying we're going to focus on the benefits of being digital. And I don't think that there's a problem with saying we're going to focus on the benefits of, of meeting together physically. As long as we're all willing to admit uh, when we don't do a hybrided version of that, that we're missing things in, in both areas that we right. could be doing. Absolutely. 